Amen. So we love Brother Sanford. Let's give him a good Bendale welcome to this pulpit again tonight. And Brother Sanford loves you all. Love and appreciate Brother and Sister Moore. Some of the finest people that I know, and I mean that from my heart. Some of the greatest people walking planet Earth. And, uh, and I want to commend each and every one of you, compliment you and, uh, for your faithfulness, for your allegiance, your loyalty kingdom of God, the work of God, the will of God. And I begin to feel this on the platform, and I'm not saying it because it's a new year, but I am convinced this coming this year, 2023, will be the greatest year for this church, the greatest year of spiritual conquest, victory, revival. Victories are going to be won. The reason the altar has the fire of God is because of sacrifices. And if you want to display the demonstration and the fire to fall, then build an altar and provide the sacrifice and the fire will fall. And it's falling around here. Amen. And I believe this year you're going to begin to see people pray through to the Holy Ghost. I don't know when the last one's prayed through here. I'm sure y'all know. I don't know how long it's been, but if it's been one service, that's a drought. But the drought's about to end. He added to the church daily. I'm interested in a daily outpouring, a daily move of God, a daily addition to the body of Christ. We're talking about the ending. Don't worry about the ending. God's already been there. He knows the ending from the beginning. And the Bible says the end of a matter is better than the beginning. Stop worrying. If things haven't improved, you're not at the end. Just keep moving in that direction. And there will be a change. Thank you for allowing me to come be a part of these services. Revival's not over here. We're going to be right back in revival Sunday and probably Monday uh, with another evangelist. The guy that broke my record. Seven weeks was something, but I think y'all went to what, 12, 13? Amen. That, that, that may just get broke this year. Probably won't be me. Y'all couldn't take me that long probably. But it doesn't matter who. As long as God's. And I, I just feel something is building. There's no telling what's going to happen this coming weekend and on and beyond. Hallelujah. This church got out of the box years ago, and it's determined not to go back. Praise God. What seemeth good to the Holy Ghost. Woo. My, my, my. Psalms chapter 30. I'm going to preach a little tonight. And... Uh, one verse, but it is a verse. And uh, I suppose I'll see you folks sometime next year. But I hope it's before then. Amen. Psalms chapter 30, verse 11. Thou hast turned for me my mourning 
into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. Everybody say, God bless his word. I'm going to let you be seated. We'll announce our subject momentarily. In the text tonight, Psalms 30 and 11, I believe is a song of thanksgiving. It's a song of reflection. The psalmist David is crediting the Lord for ending his sadness, and watch this, and restoring his joy. Now we could just drop anchor right there and camp out there a while. Wouldn't that be quite an accomplishment tonight for the Lord to turn your sadness Amen. In other words, to end your sadness and restore your joy. To paraphrase this verse, David was simply saying, He has turned my deep sorrow into gladness. In fact, by his own admission, David readily begins to write and pen the words. In other words, he was trying to communicate to one and all of us that God, by His power, has brought phenomenal changes to my situation. He said, my sadness is no more, and my joy is restored. I've experienced a personal revival and a resurrection of joy that's unspeakable and full of glory is what David is trying to communicate to one and all. He said, I've been in a season of sorrow, but watch this. God has turned my darkness to dawn. He has turned my sorrow into great joy. No wonder David went on to pin the words that his greatness is unsearchable and his power measureless. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork, the scripture says. In fact, Psalms 33 and 9 is a reflection of God's power at creation. 33 and 9 of Psalms says God spoke it and it was done. He commanded and it stood firm. No wonder Isaiah 48, God said, My hand hath also laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. When I call unto them, watch this, the Lord said, They stand up together. What God was saying, when I speak heaven and earth, stand up together, and they give me their undivided attention. God said, when I speak heaven and earth, has no choice but to comply. I wonder what are we going to do tonight as God begins to speak. Are you just going to critique the sermon? Are you just going to take a nap? Are you going to respond like his creation responds? If heaven and earth can stand up together and salute him and give him his undivided attention, I wonder tonight is there anybody here that can begin to do what creation has already done Declare the glory of the Lord. Oh, somebody ought to lift him up right now. Somebody ought to yield to his power. You ought to submit to his will and purpose right now because God is about to release into your life the needed change, the miracle, the breakthrough. Hallelujah. You can be seated. When we understand that God is preeminent, not just in some things, in some areas, but God is preeminent in all things. Amen? He's preeminent as creator of all things. For all things were made by Him. But it doesn't stop there. He's preeminent as the sovereign ruler of the universe. David said in Psalm 62 and 11, Once God hath spoken, twice have I heard that power belongs to God. 
Can I tell somebody that's been giving the devil too much credit that the devil works for God? And that while he may have some power, I'm here to tell you that God has all power. He's preeminent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He knows all things. And power belongs to God. He is preeminent as the only true God. Paul confirmed this when he writes now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, it is done. It is forever settled that he is eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. I rise to remind somebody of a scripture that's already been quoted. When the enemy shall come in as a flood, not if, maybe, But when the enemy shall come in as a flood, God said, I'm going to lift up a standard against him. The enemy's going to meet heavy resistance when it begins to move toward one of my little ones. I will not stand for it. I will not step aside and give the enemy free passage to attack one of my little ones. I've come to tell you all power is given unto him in heaven and in earth, and he is the only true God. And the enemy, I'm serving notice, will have to go through God to get to you. But the last time I checked, God has never lost a battle. He remains the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love, power, and a sound mind. I'm going to get to my sermon in just a minute, but I pause to tell somebody that God's working on your mental state of mind. He's about to release to you love and power and a sound mind. That sound mind means discipline. Somebody's been living an undisciplined life. You're up and you're down. You're sad and you're glad. But I got news for you. God's about to bring a discipline and a stability into your mind. And you're no longer going to be easy prey for the adversary. You're no longer going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And every little trivial thing that comes along just has a way of bowling you over. Not today. Not Going forward, from this day going forward, things will be different. I'm going to get to the message. See, Job, the faithful servant of the Lord, I believe recognized and understood the preeminence of God. That his counsel, meaning his word, will stand. And that God will always do his pleasure. In that nothing or no one can resist his purpose. I'm here to tell you the enemy cannot sabotage God's plan and divine intent for your life. He can huff and puff and he can try to blow your house down. But it's all futile and it's in vain. Because God stands before us and he still makes crooked places straight. Will he not produce streams in desert places? Will he not prepare for us a table in a wilderness in the presence of our enemies. I've come to remind you that he is the preeminent one 
and he is in your corner and he's on your side and God's plan and purpose for your life cannot be altered. It cannot be changed because when God speaks, it is done. When he commands, it stood firm and it will surely come to pass. That's why Job said in Job 37 and 12, and it turned round about by his counsel, meaning by his wisdom, by his knowledge. God signed off on something with us in mind. He turned it round about by his counsel that you may do what so that he may do what they may do whatsoever he commandeth. Another translation says it changed direction. Huh. Turned around by his guidance. Amen. The turnaround that you need, God's got a hold of that, and he's turning it. It's been trending in one direction, but God said, let me take hold of this. I think I can do something with that problem. I think I can do something with that diagnosis. I think I can do something with that weakness. I think I can do something with that predictable pattern that they fall prey to. I think I can do something with that depression. And God said, when I get a hold of it, I'm going to guide it. I'm going to turn it and direct it and release it in a more favorable posture positive direction you've been going one way but God said let me take hold of this I'm going to turn you in a brand new direction and from this day going forward there's going to be peace and not turmoil there's going to be hope and not despair said he turned it around about by his counsel that they may do whatsoever he commands. Who do you think put it in your mind and spirit to do what you're doing? Hello? God dropped that thought in your spirit. And God is influencing you in a good, favorable, positive way. Another translation says it changed direction, turning around by his guidance. It's simplistic and elementary, but the definition of that word turn just simply means to cause something or someone to change direction. Look at somebody and tell them, in faith, he's turning it around. Hello? Well, I wonder what he's turning around. Hello, you got two hours, preacher? I got this long laundry list of situations that I need God to change. Well, I got news for you. God's never been overloaded. He's not about to malfunction. He's not about to short circuit. There's not one bead of perspiration that's formed on his brow when he looks at your dire situation because God says it's an easy thing for me to give beauty for ashes. It's an easy thing for me to take a garment of praise and put on you that in exchange for a spirit of heaviness. It's easy for me to give the oil of joy for mourning. Look at somebody again said he's turning it around. Here's my message tonight because he is the master of change. You got master sergeants. You got these locksmiths. They're masters. I remember one time in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, 
Many years ago, my wife and I and our daughter was very small at that time, and we, we pulled up at the hotel, checking in, getting ready to start a revival, and, and, and we, had a, we had a van, and we're unloading at the hotel, and, and my wife locked the keys up. And we've got to get in there and get ready, get to church. And, and Normally, I can get them unlocked. I just could not get that thing unlocked. So we had to call a locksmith. And they cost. I had to call an expert, a master, a professional, somebody that works in that particular area of expertise and didn't take him long at all to get it unlocked. Of course, before he got there, I'm, I'm, I'm saying a few words, not, not, not bad words, but I'm kind of irritated and aggravated and agitated and aggravated and all of that. I, I'm kind of, you know, couldn't you have been more careful and watch what you're doing? And y'all know what I'm talking about. He gets it unlocked. I pay him. He leaves. I go back out, back out there to get something, and lo and behold, you reap what you sow. I locked the keys up. So I had to call him back. Master, carest not that we perish. Had to pay him again. My wife give me that look like I'm loving this. Serves you right, baby. Hello. She made a few remarks. Rubbing salt in the wound. Amen. I'm here to tell you that the master of change is in this house. And there's never been a devil that he cannot put in his place. Never been a problem that he cannot solve, a mountain that he cannot remove, a sickness that he cannot heal, a situation that he cannot change. He is the master of of change. If you believe that, give him praise. I said, tell somebody he's turning it around. He's bringing into my dilemma a deliverance called change or a change called deliverance. He's the master of it. You know, in our Pentecostal apostolic church services, we often sing about, you know, he's the chain breaker. Y'all sing that around here, don't you? The lyrics to that song says, break every chain over and over and over again. When my granddaughter, who will be 12 tomorrow, was about three years old, they were coming back from church. My wife was riding with them. And little Heidi was over there singing, break every chain, break every, just over and over and over and over. And my wife tells me, she says, Adrian looks over there. Y'all know Adrian. That little bitty fella. He says, Heidi, I know you're singing a good song. But you just keep singing it over and over again. If you keep singing that, I think I'm going to bust one of these windows out. You're just getting on my nerve for 30 minutes over and over and over and over and over and over. I want you to know we laugh at that. But somebody needs to get a revelation about the prowlessness and the power and the ability of our God to do just that. Break every chain of bondage, addiction, bitterness, failure, sickness. 
Now, if he gets to come back and preach, y'all don't sit on him because I told that story on him. He's human. Hello? Now, he, he really wouldn't have done that, but he just had to get her attention. Amen? Because I know what it is for little ones to get on your nerves. And I know why my daddy used to say, I know why God made it for young folks to have kids. Because you love your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. But when you get to a certain age, you just can't take much anymore. They just get on your nerves. And at the same time, you'll laugh at things they do you used to discipline your kids for. Well, we better move on. Hello? We sing about the chain breaker. But I want to preach tonight about the change maker. They are one and the same. They're inseparable. I understand that. The chain breaker and the change maker are one and the same. And we believe him to be the chain breaker. He is also the change maker. Can you say amen? He can change your situation. So I'm going to preach about the change maker. Amen? Let me just pause and ask someone tonight, is there anyone who believes changes are coming in the positive? It's going to be noble, favorable, productive in your life. See, we get used to just sitting and soaking and sinking down and just taking it all in. But it's important how we respond. Amen. I'm not going to preach long tonight, but I am going to make a point to remind us that he is the master of change. And he's about to turn your mourning into dancing. He's about to transition you from a season of lamentation to a season of holy laughter. From a season of despair to a season of singing a brand new song of deliverance. He can do it and more. He can turn your sorrow into joy. The very first miracle that Jesus performed was a miracle of change. It was the changing of water into wine. That first miracle was a miracle of change. And that miracle of change, I believe, was typical of the entire earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, his earthly ministry could be characterized as a ministry of change. You will discover in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that uh, everyone and everything that Jesus came in contact with was changed. I'm happy to tell you tonight that Jesus never left anything the way he found it. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never leaves anything or anyone like he finds it or how he finds them. The song says it well. Come to Jesus and you will leave a different way. How many is glad he didn't leave you where he found you? He didn't leave you in the condition he found you in. But he picked you up, brushed you off, washed you, cleansed you. Fill you with gladness, fill you with hope, gave you a future, promised you a tomorrow. He's the master of change. Turning water into wine was the first miracle, but certainly it has not proven to be the last. 
Oh, since that moment to this moment, there's just been perpetual miracles, a, a continuation of God just uh, pouring out blessings and performing miracles uh, and doing the impossible, the unimaginable, the inconceivable, the unbelievable, yes, the unthinkable. I'm here to tell you it was the first, uh, but it has not been the last, and it will not be the last. Miracles that's going to happen in this house tonight is just going to jumpstart a series of unmistakable Holy Ghost episodes in somebody's life it's just going to continue to get better and better there's going to be an overflow of divine promises performed in your life it's, it's amazing to me it was Mary's simple faith approach that day that spearheaded that first miracle why? Because she believed that Jesus could change the situation. We have a potentially embarrassing, humiliating situation developing. Well, we've run out of wine for the invited guests to the wedding. In those days, weddings didn't last 30 minutes or an hour. Many times three to seven days, sometimes up to ten days. And it, it took a lot of food and a lot of beverage. And you just don't want to be known as the people that had the wedding and you didn't have enough for everybody to eat and drink. And, and, and she took the problem. See, say what you will about Mary. She knew where to take the problem to. She said, Jesus, they, they've run out of wine. And, and if you'll notice, Jesus seemed to be a little obnoxious and rude toward his mother. He said, don't bother me with this trivial thing. This is really none of my affair. And besides this, Mary, it's not time for me to show them who I really am. But if you'll study this and read this, it, it just simply speaks to me that really the Lord has put it in our hands that we many times can choose the time and the place. Because he rebukes her and says, I'm not interested. I don't feel like playing today. Just leave me alone. Don't, don't, don't bother me with this. It's none of my business. But she made it his business. She turns to the servant and said, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Somebody could have said, what part of that did she not understand? He made it crystal clear. He's not interested. He's not going to play. He's not going to work. He's going to walk away from this problem. No, she knew. If I present to Jesus a sincere, legitimate need, I just feel like I know something about him that maybe others do not know yet, that Jesus will readily respond. And can I tell you that Jesus has never turned away a sincere, legitimate need. You, you know the story. And it was that water over there by the door. That water over there was foot washing water. As the guests would come in, they'd take their sandals off and, and the servants would wash their feet said you take you take that basin of water and you pour it into this and give it to the governor of the feast those servants knew something better change and change in a hurry because if it reaches the governor's lips and it's still old dirty filthy foot washing water 
we will be eliminated, assassinated. Hello? But something happened from the time they started toward Jesus. Give it to Jesus, and then Jesus would speak it or look at it. I don't know. It blushed. Somebody preached one time. But it changed. Amen? Without Jesus putting his finger in the water, there's no record that he speaks audibly. They were just willing and obedient to do something that seemed ludicrous, silly, dangerous. Hello? When's the last time you took a chance? When's the last time you risked something? See, it's easy to take off running when five others do it. It's easy to say hallelujah when everybody else is drowning you out. But I wonder what would come to you. What change would suddenly begin to take place here and at the other end of that situation? If something in you just begin to swell up and say, you know what, I know he's preaching, but I just kind of feel like I need to do something out of character. I just believe that faith without works is dead, but faith, if it's accompanied with works, will produce the necessary needed results. And I feel like I'm going to take the bull by the horns. David said he's turned my mourning into dancing. And I don't know where David was when he started celebrating, but somebody in this house right now, without looking around to see who's going to do what, I wish somebody's faith would say, you know what, if I'll respond right now, God is going to start the change in my family, in my finances, with my health. Somebody said, are you preaching for a response? Well, you guessed it right because our response many times determines our reward. I don't know when the change took place, but by the time it reached his lips, he commented, he said, most people save the best for last. Hello? Or the best at first. They bring in the good stuff. You can be seated. And he said, when men are well drunk, when everybody gets too drunk to know the difference. Hello? It's kind of like an old song I heard years years ago at a place I was working, and they played country music. And the song says, all the women look good about closing time. Hello? In other words, they, they, they get a little drunk when they were sober. Oh, I don't think so. But you get a little drunk. Well, she's looking better all the time. <laughs> Hello, somebody. Y'all get the real stuff next weekend and all. But let me just be. I'm telling you. It's in the book. He said, the governor said it. Most people give you the good wine first. And when they're too drunk to know the difference, they bring in the cheap stuff to save cost. 
But he said, oh my God, there's been a change this time. You've saved the best for last. It's the best wine I've ever tasted. Can I tell somebody that's been on a long journey and you think God's forgot about you and doesn't even know where you are? You hear this preacher. If I've ever felt a prophetic word for somebody, I've come to tell you God has saved the best for last where your situation is concerned. Get ready. He's about to turn it. He's about to change it. He still confirms his word with signs and wonders, miracles following. I can assure you that God has not resigned from his position as master of change. The prophet Jeremiah confirms this when he declares, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth and by your great power. By your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. Let me preach just a few more minutes. Won't keep you too long. Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. Three times in the last chapter, he ain't got here yet. His quickly is different than ours. And when a preacher says, I won't hold you long, yeah, you've heard it, yeah. That don't mean a thing. Hello? But I promise you, I'm almost through, really. Amen? He's the master of change. This has been a different revival. For me, it has. I've been in services, service, 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 just preach, 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 preach. But, 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 but God's pulling something out. When I, God's pulling something out of me, the prophetic. Somebody needs more than just a sermon. And there's no substitute for the word. I understand that. The word is preeminent. But you're getting the word, the written word and the spoken word. Can you say amen? The letter kill it, but the spirit gives life. We need the word that is spoken sometime to be saturated with spirit, with direction, with a prophetic word of direction for our lives. Amen. So I've come to preach a positive message about the willingness and the ability of our God to transform the hurting, the broken, the bound, the lost. I believe woven into the fabric of this little message tonight are threads of hope and promise of better things to come. Anybody feel like, uh, hey, we sing about faith and walk by faith and talk about it. Why don't we put it to use? Why don't we start practicing it? Why don't we just stop? And I'm tired of just stopping short of singing about it and shouting about it. I'm ready to go after my miracle. I am ready to respond in hope and faith that God is doing something now. Yes, I know weeping endures for a night, but changes are coming. Joy comes in the morning. Amen? Lift your hands and give him praise. I got more preaching, but I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Why don't we stand? Woo! He comes. Joy does in the morning. Come on, musicians. He's the master of change. How I many is glad that he transformed you? Amen. 
I like the shout. I, I, I like the outward demonstrations. It has a place and a part in our church services. I understand that. But what is most needed even more so than that is to get something deep down on the inside that will begin to arrange things and alter things and change things and put us on a path that will lead us to becoming all that God wants us to be, to being strong in faith and in the power of his might. Amen? I, I don't think I preach miracles every place that I go, a lot of places. But that, that seems to be the key word, the buzzword in my spirit, the miraculous miracles. And, and, and don't misunderstand me. I, I, I know that our living for God shouldn't be, we shouldn't just fall into a routine of just always going to God because we want something and need something. I, I was praying one time and some years back and God spoke to me. He said, most of the time when I hear from my people, it's out of an emergency, a dire situation. It's they come to me, I hear from them when they want something or need something. He said, I long just for fellowship. For them just to come to me and tell me how much they love me and how much they want to know about me and learn of me and fellowship with me. He said, I am the God that supplies needs. I, I, I'm not offended when they do that. And it was an indictment against me as well. Because a lot of our prayers center around, Lord, I need this. I need you to fix this problem. I need you to heal this one. I need you to make a way. I need you to provide this. And you know why? Because we're his children. We will always be in a place of need. We are needy individuals. Amen? But there's sometimes I just like to say, Lord, it's me. Didn't come with my prayer request. I come with my thanksgiving. Somebody wrote a song. I start, and I thought of it when you testified about it. I start my day with a prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, before I take a problem to you, I just want to praise you because you've kept me. You've made a way. I'm more determined now than ever to serve you. I'm growing. I'm getting stronger. My faith is, is greater. And I praise God for what he's already done. And then I begin to praise him for what he's doing. Amen. He's the master of change. We all have situations that if God doesn't change it, it won't change. But there is a God. And I'm going to practice my faith. And I'm going to believe hmm, that God is doing something even right now. Before that prodigal father, the prodigal's father ever saw his son coming down the road at a distance, there had already been a change made in a far country. And on the other end, in the other spectrum of that situation, God is already beginning to move the pieces around and bringing it to a place of finality. That you're going to get that call and it's going to be a good phone call. That knock on the door is not going to be tragedy, but it's going to be a victory report. 
I'm asking those that believe, not just hoping, but you really believe that God is doing something in your situation that a lawyer, a doctor, a financial advisor, even a family member cannot do, but you believe God is doing it. There's some of you the Lord's already targeted and, and highlighted in my spirit, and he's revealed to me. Your back's to the wall. But notice this. Anybody ever been there? If your back's to the wall, just remember that God always allows enough space between the wall and your back for you to come out. Amen. You'll never be in a position that he cannot recover you and restore you. God bless these that are coming. Let's gather in tonight. He's turning some things around. In Jesus' name, because he's the master. He's an expert. Paul and Silas would say he's a midnight specialist. Because about midnight, that's where some of us are. It's late in our trial. It's protractive. It doesn't want to relinquish its nightmare hold on you. But around midnight, suddenly, whoo, there's a suddenly. God bless you. Breaker, we all search for the light of day, the dead of night. 
we've all found ourselves worn out from that same old fight. Still run the things we know that just ain't right. Oh, there's a better life. There's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If I've ever needed freedom, Saving, he's the prison shaking savior. If you got shame, oh, he's a chain breaker. You got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. Oh, freedom, a saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got If you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. Somebody testify. If you believe it, you receive it. You can feel it. Somebody testify. You got pain. He's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, a saving. Testify. You believe it. Oh, 
in the forest. forest. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. They're falling. They're falling. They're falling. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. Believe it tonight, they're falling, they're falling. You receive it, you can feel it. Somebody testify. You believe it, you receive it, you can feel it. Somebody testify. You believe it. Receive it. You can feel it. Somebody testify. You believe it. You receive it. You can feel it. Somebody testify. Believe it. Just about 60 seconds before Brother Sanford slipped into an area of the preaching. And he went on and made the statement, if some of you would really worship like you really believe a change is going to take place. About 60 seconds before that, I felt nudge from the Lord and everybody was sitting everybody was just if you just get up and make a lap and on your way through get your wife and make a lap and I wouldn't do it but we fixing to 
I don't want nobody to do nothing. Now, if you feel to do something, it's God. I'm, it's good. But I don't want you. I, I'm just, I'm going to back up. Because <laughs> I sure don't want to be chastised by the Lord. And, and I really wished I'd have just obeyed God then. Regardless of how out of place it might have looked or even felt. Because there's some, there's some real chains and changes that needs to take place. And I want to be willing to do whatever it takes for that to happen and for that to take place. And so we're just going to make a lap. And, and this is no pressure on nobody, please. Okay? You ain't got to do a thing. All right? I'm just, I'm just backing up. And, and I know sometimes when you don't do when God wants you to do it, it's not the same. I understand that. But I still want to go in the record book that I still done it. <laughs> so I went and asked her. I said, hey, do you think you can make a lap with me tonight? <laughs> she said, yeah, I think I can. Amen. And so we're going to do it. And for the glory of God, not for show. We're not racing with nobody. We're not, we're not anything. We're just going to do it because I really feel I missed it. And that's my fault. But I'm going to do my best to make it right. Because I want, to, I want what God wants in this church. I really, I really want to do what seemeth right to the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you immediately after that, that came to me again. You said you want to do what seemeth right to the Holy Ghost. And that's what we want to do. Because we want to please God. It's all about pleasing Him. And, and, and as we preach tonight, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You know, we're known for the hype. We're known for the, the celebration. But you know what? We're also known to just settle down and anchor down and say, this is the book. This is the Word of God. If I don't feel an ounce of nothing, the book's right. The Word of God's right. And God, you don't have to do a thing. But your book said this, and I believe it. So we're going to make our lap, okay? Savior, he's a prison 
Change. 
I really believe there is some old chains that's been in this church for a long time. Anybody ever seen a dog chained up? You could tell how long the chain is because there's no grass. There's all you need to breathe. His limitation. In fact, a smart dog knows that limitation. And he won't run when you first put him on it. In fact, somebody don't know anything about how to put a dog on a chain. You don't take a dog, you put him on a chain, and you put him right at the center. Say, if this is where you're going to tie him out, this is where you're going to stake him. He's got an eight-foot chain. You don't chain him up and come here and put your chain on him and let him go. Not if you're going to train him. Not if you're going to keep him from breaking his neck. What you do, you take and chain him, but you bring him out here to the very length of it, the end of it. I've done this many times. I know what I'm talking about. I've done this. You take that puppy and you put him out here at the end of that chain. You, that's the end of it. And you pet him and you do. You, you handle him. You let him go, and hey, Swerk, man, he'll do, he'll, he'll bite at it, and, he'll, and then all of a sudden he'll take off. He'll come running over here. When that chain runs out, it snatches him like this. So you go over there, and you pet him, and you keep working with him. And in just a little while, he'll begin to figure it out, his limitations, and how far he can go. devil's done his best to put some chains on some folks here and we do good and then the devil even allows us until we get to that limitation that place where all of a sudden that chain just got to snap that chain but I'm telling you God's ready to snap some chains and let the gifts of the spirit and the power of God the fivefold ministry all that's for the edifying, the building. That's all belongs to every assembly. Huh? It's for this church. And so we're going to believe God for it. We're going to trust God. Amen. To help us. Help us. Huh. You know, there's, they got means now, certain collars. That you can purchase. It's, it's got electricity. You can put a boundary out there. And in that boundary, that dog knows. He knows his limitations. To start with, it gives him a, a warning, a tone, a beeping sound, and then it shocks him. And after a while, after learning that, Believe it or not, there's times that they can go weeks at a time. That collar's dead as it can be. But because he's done got a custom, so that's where huh, it sets its limitations. Hmm. Have you ever been involved in something and you're picking your head up and you hit your head? Two or three times, and after a while, to quit hitting your head, you just get down and say, "I ain't picking it up no more. I'm just, 
I heard Brother Williams talk about some pheasants. This guy had some pheasants. and He put a top, I forgot, a glass top or something over the cage. And every time they'd fly up, they'd hit their head and fall down, fly up. And left them in that cage for a period of time. I don't remember exactly how long. He goes out there one day and he takes that glass top off. I think that's where it happened. Anyway, they got out. Those pheasants got out, and he thought, hey, man, they're gone. I'm not going to be able to, they're going to fly away. But you know what? He just went out there and rounded them back up and just huddled them right back into that pen because they was afraid if they tried to fly, they'd hit their heads. Why is it that you and I as Holy Ghost feel people sometimes I've seen it here I've seen it times and I know it's frustrating sometimes that you may be asked to go get something or do something and you pick it out and nobody likes it and you don't do it again I'm done I'm, 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 I'm hitting the nail on the head <laughs> and that's, 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 that's what happens to us a lot of times even even did you know the Bible says to be able to walk in those gifts, you have to exercise them. You know why Larry Bird holds uh, that that big count about those three. And I hate to use something like that, but just to give us an idea of that three shotter. You know why? I forgot the exact number, but it was like a thousand that he would shoot. See, when your heart's right and you're trying to do it to God for God, and there's going to be times, either from an individual, the devil, or even God may allow it, because he's going to see if you really love him or not. If you really want to. And he may let you, he may let you come up and hit your head. Wow. But you know what? It's not over with. I'm going to try this again. Have I got some Bible? Okay. What about David? Bring an ark in. Had it all lined, had all the singers, had all the right, but just didn't have it in the right, the right shoulders. But you know, thank, thank God that David just didn't go home and just put out and go home. No, took a little time, but you know what? He come back and he said, hey, we're going to try this again because I know this is the will of God for this ark. How many of you know this will of God have revival here? Huh? I'm talking about a Holy Ghost revival too. And so that's what we're looking for. And so I missed it tonight. And I've done my best to make it right. But if God, if you'll just help me, I'm not going to miss it next time. Had a little deal come up. I don't know if I, remember, if I mentioned this, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to name their names. I'm sure they don't mind. But anyway, y'all remember the night that, that Jake and uh, Remy really prayed and done real good? And I stepped back up here to this platform. And I spun around, and I, I should have said it. I said, you, you ought to take your wife. Remember me saying that? The Holy Ghost quickened me and said, that's not his wife. I wouldn't say nothing. I should have. I should have. Because that's the first commitment he needed to make. And I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost told me. If you tell him, if he'll make that commitment and get that right, then God can bless him. 
But I wouldn't do it. But you know what? I'm going to get there. And if it makes some of us mad. Now, how did I know that all was right? Because five minutes later, my wife walks up to Randy and says, Randy, talking about husband and wife. And it came up and she says, oh, y'all not married? She says, we're not. So God, <laughs> when I dropped the ball, God just handed it to her. <laughs> and she steps up and says, hey, you know, the first thing y'all need to do is get married. I know y'all say, well, you ought not. Well, you ought, to, you ought to just do what you want to do. I'm going to start pastoring this church like God wants me to pastor. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, if we want the Holy Ghost, we want the Holy Ghost. Okay? Not being ugly, not being rude, not being nothing. <laughs> but this is what will break chains. And this is what will cause, amen, when they come by, they'll see a power, feel a power here. I still believe that God can draw a man off the streets. I still God believe, amen, that God can take drugs out of their body in one service. I still believe God can take cigarettes and alcohol and everything else and drive all the demons out of your life. I believe he is the chain breaker in one service. And there are times that he may do it, that he can do it. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. Come back Sunday. Brother Rouse is going to be with us. And uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and back again on a Monday night. Man, we're going to work on this a little bit. <laughs> Who knows? I'll tell you one reason I do that. Just like Brother Sanford. No needing him driving all those hours, about six hours. Amen. And then come back. You know why I do it for Brother Rouse? That opens up Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But preach somewhere else. You know what? Using common sense sometimes to go a lot further than what you think. That's what God wants us to get back to. Just use some good old horse sense and common sense. And try and instead of trying to impress everybody by these things. We're just going to use some good old common sense and let God do it. That's what we're going to do. Love you tonight. Appreciate you, your faithfulness, your commitment. God bless you. We love you tonight. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. God bless you.